for you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Good. It's my boss. Absolutely love working for that man. That's the brother, Thomas Snow. So a little bit more about kind of how I ended up in this space. I am an entrepreneur and have been an entrepreneur since I was 19. I've worked for a lot of Fortune 50 and Fortune 100 companies that have had me living in five states. And then I hit the economic decline of 2007 and lost my job, giving birth to our fourth child while living in San Diego, California. So from that time, I had to start a new business. And so all of these experiences, even when downsize, right size, you know, reduction in force, whatever they want to call it, it impacts the people that we serve tenfold. And so part of what I do is help individuals go from prison to prosperity. And there is a model that we use at the Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry, and there are two other models that, if you're interested in conducting research, the Five Ventures out of New York is a good organization to um, shadow, benchmark. They are looking at Tennessee as their fourth pilot location, so I'm in discussions with them. Um, and hopefully in 2015 we will make this a reality. If not, it'll be more like 2016. The BEST program is, stands for Building Entrepreneurs for Success in Tennessee. This is built off of a Texas model where the servant leadership is really the, uh, the, the, the pillar of where the men, and, the men uh, now, they were attorney center, uh, they now have been moved across the state. But the beauty in that particular program is it's tied to the Entrepreneur Center. So a lot of their mentors and the catalysts for change, as well as their micro fund, is actually being held in the Entrepreneurial Center in Nashville. So there's $25,000 of seed money set aside specifically for these men when they get out of prison. Which brings you to us, the Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry and Reentry Center. We are the only inside out Reentry center that prepares entrepreneurs before they leave. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And if I could get somebody to read this verse for us out loud. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open up the prison of those who are bound. Okay, so has everyone read that before? I'm sure you've seen it, and you understand the connection that it has. It kind of foreshadows Jesus's whole reason for existing. And uh, if you are interested in kind of reviewing that, you can look at a lot of the commentaries out there and see if we really are living the exact same thing that Isaiah talked about and that Jesus talked about. So how do we live this truth today in our ministries? One of the things we found out, when in prison, I knew how to talk to guys on the compound, but when I got out, things were different. This is a testimonial that comes from one of the students that I'm serving, that we're serving right now. He could not communicate well on the job. He didn't know how to. We're teaching men and women how to use cell phones, how to conduct themselves in a professional manner. All of these have to be done at a higher level when you work for yourself, right? So today we're going to talk about entree, which is between. For those of you who have taken French, I took six years of French and never used it. So now I use it all the time, just in an acronym. So we're going to talk about the economics behind entrepreneurship for prisoners. 
We're going to talk about networking and how building the soft skills and making sure we understand exactly what is expected beyond the bars um, and how we make an impact on those individuals. T stands for team building. Who are the candidates that we can choose? How do we find out and develop those skills for people who want to own their own businesses? As you know, regardless of your criminal background, everyone cannot run a business. Is that a true statement? Very true. I was in a business for three years with my mother, and I was a CEO, but what did she do as a CFO? When she got mad, she say, I am your mother. <laughs> right? I said, and that means what? I still get to make all the executive decisions. So we have a lot of people in and out of prison who want to do that very thing. I want to make my own choices. They've spent 10, 20, and sometimes 36. The most tenured person in our organization right now, as far as our candidate pool, he spent 36 years behind bars. He starts his new job today. So excited. But he was afraid. So we talk about all of these barriers and, and, and who are the people that we're serving. Then we talk about the risk, risk management. There is a great deal of risk. And as you know, according to the statistics, most businesses fail within the first what? Five years. Three. Three. Once it's three, it becomes a hobby. That's what the IRS will say. If you have not turned a profit within three years, you have a new hobby. Okay? Yeah, it's very expensive. <laughs> and actually, in the state of Tennessee, small businesses pretty much run the majority of the the, 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 the pool of money that we have out there. So I don't know if that varies in your states. But last is education. When and how do we educate these clients? So we have a 12-month program where we track the individuals who are in our process for 12 months. Our goal is to educate them, encourage them, and to empower them. So how do we do that? What do the numbers say? Let's just look at the numbers. In fact, I love the talk last night where we can't be numb by the numbers, and I just want to show you some of the things that we're faced with. We know that there are 108,000 convicted felons in prison, on probation, or on parole. We know that in the state of Tennessee, $25,000 is what it takes to house one inmate annually in one of our prisons. At the county level, that can be a little higher. We know that our state recidivism rate is 46%. We also know that for those who participate in a faith-based program, that's less than 20%. So we talk about the value of mentoring, which is a key component with entrepreneurship. You have to have someone teach you how to win, right? We also know that 10,000 people are released from Tennessee prisons annually, and even in Davidson County, one of our biggest counties here, next to Shelby, 120 are released daily. What does that mean for us? Even with the numbers that we have and the number of people that are coming out, we still don't have enough people out there to handle everyone that's coming out. So what happens? It impacts directly that recidivism number. So what we know is entrepreneurship makes sense. What do we mean by that? We've got to make an impact on these individuals. When do we start touching the individuals? I'm fortunate enough to touch the prisoners and those who are in between, I'll just call them in between, halfway houses, wherever you want to put them, because I'm a college professor. So I have students that I get to see, meet, feel, touch, teach, before they ever touch the street. So in our pilot program, I joined the reentry center in my current position as workforce development in January. We don't officially open until 
Father's Day, 2 to 4 p.m., which is June 21st. Between January and today, we have already helped 60 individuals find jobs and careers and plan for success. So what does that mean? We're statewide. Half of our pipeline is still in prison. That's important for us because we know they're getting out and we're developing them early. We have a number of men and women, mainly men, who are writing business plans and submitting those to us. We're critiquing them. We're getting them mentors before they ever get out. So again, what that does is it provides them with hope, correct? It also provides them with a good, keen eye. One of the things that a lot of my students hate is that my highest scores are in English. And I'm also right-brained, so I can look at your financials and pretty much rip them apart if I need to. But we do that in love because it's a training ground for them. And so they'll correct things and send them back to us. Okay. We have contacted in our 95 counties, we have already touched 31 counties just with the 60 people we're serving. And you can see what that impact looks like, just visually. And our goal is to get to all 95 counties. And some of our challenge is that some of these counties are very rural. But for those that don't have opportunities on the career side, it's up to us to help them develop a, a niche, if they will, with whatever skill set they have. So when we look at networking, these are the employers who are hiring our individuals. And this is just a short list. I can tell you one of my favorite things about placement is I try to find non-conventional jobs for felons. That's my, that's my fun project. Why? Because those tend to be the ones that come to me and say, I need to start my own business because I have a felony and no one's going to hire me. And that's a false statement. With the right skills and the right network, you can get into a lot of these companies, let them train you, and then ultimately start your own business. So we're going to talk specifically about that. This is a graphic of our candidate placement. As you can see, 30 of them are still in prison. So we're working with them actually weekly. I have cards, letters, mentors working with them. Today, we had two start a full-time job. So. A gentleman texted me this morning, first call. He goes in at 1.30. I had another one started 10 minutes ago. That's a beautiful thing. 10% of them will pursue GEDs. What we found is that depending on how long they've been in prison before they mandated it, a number of them have anywhere from 6th to 11th grade education. So part of our, our job in our ministry is to develop them educationally as well. So how do we do that? We prepare them to take those tests. We provide them with tutors and mentors. 6% of our population are looking at part-time work due to a disability and helping to educate them on the things that they can and cannot do. So I want to spend a lot of this time um, in a second talking about specific people who are doing exactly what I'm discussing today, which is running their own businesses. These are our referral partners, the BEST program, the one I described to you. In, uh, in, in cahoots with the Entrepreneurship Center. The Entrepreneurship Center has thousands of individuals who run their own business that we can call and leverage at any point. It is the best, best relationship, one of the better relationships that I have. And my own mentor is mentoring one of the gentlemen I'm going to talk to you about in just a second. We're in nine of the 14 prisons. We have the county jails that we call on. 
We have a gentleman who was supposed to be here today. They did not release him in time for him to come to this training. But he's been in and out of prison since I've been in pigtails. Happens to be a uh, family friend. We have the Vanderbilt U University Law and Divinity programs. A number of these individuals want to pursue education as a prerequisite for starting their own businesses. So what we do is we leverage our networks to help others. So when we talk about team building, this is where I want to spend a little time. I'm going to give you a couple of people that, um, here's four, just four. First female is improving her health by exercising. She happens to be a young lady who has a felony. She has five children. She's divorced. She has no custody of her kids. But one thing she wanted to do is start her own business. And what she did is she worked at Walmart cutting hair because she had her cosmetology license behind bars. And then she found that they were cutting her hours. So she came and said, I can't keep up my child support with, with 20 hours. I can't do that 20 hours a week. I need a job. So what we did is we helped her find a job, helped her stay in school. And she also has a mentor who has been a cosmetologist, a licensed cosmetologist with her own business for 20 years. That's her mentor. So not only is she working every day, she is also working to build her business as well. Because we realize that for a lot of them, these have to run simultaneously. And depending on the types of candidates we have in this particular um, pool of candidates, they tend to have some type of addiction. Okay. Now, addiction is not always chemical. What are some other addictions you've seen? What is it? Money. Money, yes. And for an entrepreneur, that's a great thing. Sex. Sex addictions, yes, we have those as well. Food addictions, yes. <laughs> Brother Reese said, wait a minute. Yeah, mine too. We also have those who are addicted to exercise. We have those that are addicted to education. We have those that are addicted to gossip. Whatever that addiction is, we try to turn it around, right? And actually use that for something that will help them. We have a young lady who wants to start her own business helping other people like herself. That's very doable. Who better to tell your story than you? That's what I tell them. I'm not, I'm not an addict. I have not been arrested. You can come up here and teach this class. So in our reentry center, one of the things that we do is people who come through our process actually become mentors, peer mentors. And it's part of their, 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 their um, track to present, to recruit, and to stay connected to this ministry. So even if you're on a job right now and you come back in a year and want to start your own business, you can come back to the Teapon Reentry Center and get that training. We have an educational boot camp that is going to run on a Saturday once we open. And it's actually run by uh, Dr. Nash, Turner Nash. He owns two companies of his own. He's a millionaire, which is great, and he happens to be a man of color. That's very, very encouraging for a lot of the people that we serve in this state who are also on that track. The second student, he wanted to uh, improve his relationships with his families and friends. In a holistic ministry, we're able to do that. We have on-site counseling and counselors that are master's levels that come and talk to every family that touches our ministry. Once the reentry center opens, we'll have staff on site all the time. That's a beautiful thing. Next, there's a female student. Uh, she wants to improve economically with a job, and she actually relocated to another part of the city. Because we are a statewide ministry, it's just a phone call away. Mm -hmm. 
So there are a lot of partners that we have. In fact, I've already talked to um, one of our, 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 our former Department of Corrections constituents who is going to help me do some other things in this county. And so that's what this ministry is about. And he remembers me from teaching years ago. Okay? We teach our people to do the exact same thing. Number four, there's a student that I'm going to show you in just a bit. His name is Julius Hill. He is actually going to be one of our speakers during our grand opening. Julius Hill, let's just go ahead and get to Julius. Julius was charged in Bedford County. Bedford County is a very small pseudo-rural county here in Middle Tennessee. He was charged with 0.6 grams of cocaine, received a 14-year sentence at the age of 22. He told his all-white jury they were not a jury of his peers and all you white people are trying to kill me anyway. That was quoted in the, the Shelbyville Sentinel. Now, moving forward, he is enrolled in the college program at the Charles Bass Center. I actually was one of his professors. He began, he became a library, co a library worker and decided, I really like to write poetry. I really like spoken word. So he began to read more and write more. He started his business plan during my class in 2013. He happened to be the very first person who raised his hand and said he would speak extemporaneously in front of everyone. That just means off the top of his head, right? He got up in front of the class and he immediately did this and rolled his hands and was all on his side. I said, what is that? And he was like, well, I'm giving a speech. And what was it about? Money. The love of money. And he was rubbing his hands and I said, sir, that will not work. And so from that, he built his plan, and he said, I want to run a center in my hometown to help kids like me not come in here. Now, if anyone is from Tennessee, and Shelbyville specifically, the Hill family has generational issues. Someone from every generation in that family is in prison. His brother is still incarcerated with three or four kids running around right now. Julia said it's enough. So what he did is he became co-owner of the Voices and the Vision, and he opened a rap center. It's a rural arts center, and it's a program located right across the street from Purdy Projects, which are two house, or three housing projects within walking distance of where he grew up. <coughs> he now runs that particular organization. He also is the owner of a motivational speaking firm, one of the things he wants to do as a result of the speech class, called Bump, so he has his own brand. So this is what the gentleman looks like. This is Julius here, all right? And this is a direct quote from him. He said, the Department of Corrections invited me to be a guest speaker at one of, the, at one of their programs to talk about all the things that he did behind bars. Now, this was the same man that condemned them years before, but now he is like on the, the, the circuit, the speaker circuit. He has a board, he has money coming in, he gets written about probably every two to three months. His nonprofit outpaced mine within the first year. So that's why I took him to my mentors. I said, he's outgrown me. I can't do anything with him. So he now has someone else that is tied into the Metro Arts Commission. So he is well on his way. So what do we know and why is it important to talk about things and with people that are incarcerated? I have to give you a little, a little knowledge. Um, there are three levels of brain activity. Here's what we do know. 
Level one and level two. Most of us operate in levels one and two, 98% of the time. So what does that mean for uh, someone who is incarcerated or someone recently released from prison or jail? What are you concerned about? Safety. Your safety, having somewhere to lay your head, absolutely. So housing is always a challenge. And what else? Emotion. What relationships you have, you know, your charge partner got out before you, now you're going to get them. All these things come up. So how do we keep our candidates on track? We talk about the risks. What are the risks associated with this type of work? One of the things that we found in looking at entrepreneurship, it's either by choice or by force. On the choice side, you have what's called a sponsored interest. A sponsored interest is, hey, I have this company. I want you to run it. Mr. Meeks, I do have a gentleman right now who was on paper for 22 years <laughs> for a conspiracy charge, a conspiracy charge for marijuana possession. Okay, 22 years. He said, all I did was want to smoke a little weed. He's on paper for 22 years. Well, anyway, he owns a hot dog stand. You'll get to see him in a second. But he had what was called a sponsored interest. So we knew in behind bars that there was going to be a man who would actually set him up and give him that seed money to get started. So he gets 100% of the profits off of what he makes. He's located in downtown Nashville. And guess what? No one knows that he's a convicted felon. It's great. He just gets to serve hot dogs to all those executives walking around. So that's a sponsored interest. Next, funding is available. Sometimes when they're inside, they know, I want to work with kids. There's money allocated out there. So what they do is work with our team, and they find the money, start applying for the funds. And guess what? They get it. Unless you are a convicted felon and you didn't know to put it in someone else's name because they do lose funds that way. Julius Hill lost his first federal grant that way. They found out he was a convicted felon. His partner was not, his business partner was not, but they, they called him and told him, we're taking your money away. So in his business plan, we had to tweak it, and he had to diversify his fund, and we, he's okay. <laughs> All right, third is a desired dream. We have a lot of men and women behind bars that say, I always wanted to run my own business. Anyone here, how many business owners do we have? I see, a, I see, I see. Okay. All right, good. So we do have entrepreneurs in the room. Is that why we run our business? Have we always dreamed and hoped and wanted to build our own businesses? Now, how many of us want to build a business that don't currently have one? Okay. So you're in the exact same boat as the candidates that we serve. And the thing is, your reality is a lot clearer than theirs because of your access and your, your, your ability to just kind of go and get money. So we have to really work with them on the choice thing. And what we do is a series of assessments and battery tests. So if you tell me you want to be a baker, guess what? Mr. Green, you have to be able to cook. <laughs> I have had people come to me, I want to cook. And we're like, well, what do you cook? Well, I don't. It's my grandmother. We're like, oh, ho, 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 hold up. You can't run a, you can't run a kitchen on her food. We actually had a gentleman, we had to revamp his entire business plan because that was his plan. He was going to put his mama to work for him. I was like, did you ask her? <laughs> well, I just figured she loves cooking so much. I said, no, sir. Back to the drawing board, right? Next, we have what's called fit their skills and interests. You have to have the right skill set to be able to cook. 
we owned a business. I had a mobile kitchen. We had three businesses, sold all three, and made three other companies better because of us. And no one, had, no one in our city had any idea that we were one of the first mobile food vendors that was on wheels in Nashville. We had a vegetarian restaurant. That was like a, a, a real funny thing. People would come into our restaurant, see us, and they're like, is this a soul food place? I said, yeah, we call it Healthy Soul. And we sold those plates. And we also sold that business, too. So when we talk about fit skills and interests, there have to be aligned. There has to be alignment there. Now, when we talk about forces, charge limitations. A lot of our felons, I have guys and, and girls that I can't place that are, are, are aggravated, you know, kidnapping charges. My sex offenders, they're a little harder to place, okay? Because most people say, I'll take everybody, but like, oh, Don, wait a minute, isn't this the one we saw in the news? Yeah. I just need them to have a chance. So there are times when we'll say, okay, what is it that you do well? Let's look at what you do well and take the $35 investment and start a business. That's how much it costs in our county. Loss of job is another reason why people are forced into entrepreneurship. Some of the ex-offenders that we deal with have a lot of what we call mom and pop type of operations. You can be a popsicle man or woman. You can also have a mobile detailing business. That's very, very big. And sanitation. No one wants to take out the trash. A lot of our people will, because a lot of times that's what they did in prison anyway. And then we have increased education. As people learn and do more, they find new skills and new interests. So then we go back to, okay, what is it that you do well, and how can we make this profitable for you? And then entrepreneurship is called life. I have men and women, especially the women, who have multiple kids at different places that are also experiencing some trauma because they've been gone for so long. So a lot of times we have to put them in a part-time position and help them develop some type of thing on the side. So if they can cook, Mr. Green, we can definitely have them start a little bakery or have some little thing that they can share with, with the community and make money for it. All right, so risk management. When I talk about soft skills with this population, one of the things that our returning citizens don't have a lot of was training. How many of you have taught anger management or substance abuse or something behind bars? Okay, leave your hand up if you knew it was effective when you left on the last day. Okay, two. It's pretty good. I can't say I was that effective because I wasn't sure. I didn't think it was long enough. So what happens when they come out? We do a lot of training. And in this space, on this here, this continuum, right here is in green. So I start a new job, and you know exactly who I am. And you know I have a charge. So now it's up to you two to get me fired. That happens almost weekly. So how do we train these men and women to keep their eyes on what they desire last? So they're working. I have some right now working. They're like, I can't stand them. I got to walk out of here. I said, no, 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 no. You cannot walk out. You have to continue the course because what you want is over here. So keeping them on track, giving them those one, three, and five-year plans and helping them working is key. Because look what's in red. Once you're in red, it's called balance of war. So you're going to lose your job anyway. Then you'll be forced into entrepreneurship or forced back to prison. You choose. So now, lastly, we're going to talk about when and how do we educate the candidates that we serve. Desiree is a young lady who came to us a very interesting ball of wax. Desiree has two children, 
places. Her mom took one and moved to Kentucky so she couldn't have access to him. She had joint custody with the second father. It was all in Dixon County is where it all took place. He had some charges against her. She had some charges against him. She had some outstanding things. She was in a halfway house. She had a drug addiction, but she knew she needed money. Why was she trying to pursue something with our, within this space? Because she knew she needed to get her kids back. That was her whole thing. I need to get my kids back. So she was ready day two. Okay, I'm interviewing. I've got a resume. Good, I'm ready to go get my kids back. What did we tell her? No, time out. Can't do that right now. Let's work your plan step by step. But the one thing, the reason why I chose her, she tells us all the time, I remember you guys coming to jail. So those of you who are working inside prisons and jails, you have already made an impact, whether you know it or not. And so now it's about using and leveraging the people and the resources out here to get them a better life. Anyone that's in the state of Tennessee, please contact the Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry and Reentry Center because we can help in all 95 counties before and after prison. We work with um, uh, Hope Works. We work with a lot of different organizations. If they're going to Ohio, I get them in touch with Cincinnati Works. They're one of our good partners. Oh, my goodness. There's some in New York. There's some in Louisiana. We have people out there that can help because they remembered or because you remembered, right? So when we talk about education, here's one piece of information. Um, Singe is a, is a researcher, a theorist, who talks about the ladder of inference. And when we're dealing with men and, win, men and women, especially within this space, we have to understand that we all have a cesspool. Everybody know what a cesspool is, right? Cesspool. So we're all in there. We have this rose in our hand, right? That's that one glimmer of hope. And maybe their glimmer of hope is that business plan that they're holding on to, and they hope when they get out, I can give it to you, Ms. Fears. Some of them are holding it in prison and won't send it to me because they're feared that the guards will take it and destroy it. Right? Can you come in? Can you come in and give it to me? No, I can't really walk out with all your stuff. I'm gonna, then they'll mail me a page here, a page there. These are the true stories. I'm like, what is this? Oh, okay. <laughs> Business plan two and three. <laughs> right? E is one of my guys, and he's funny. But one of the things I want you to understand is that we must teach and train often because everybody has a cesspool. Everybody has a set of experiences and skills, and that's all they pull from, every decision. So if you think about it, we'll test you. Do you do some things that your mama told you just because? You never really checked it for yourself? Okay? Does everyone touch a stove? Did anybody ever burn themselves? Do you just go up to a hot oven and put your hand on it? Not anymore. Why? Because our experiences told us. We had data. We observed data. We select the data. We're like, oh, I'm going to touch this, right? It adds meaning. Wow, that's hot. And so now I know I'm going to tell my kids not to do it. I'm going to tell uh, my students not to do it. Same thing with entrepreneurship. There are people who have failed. They say, you can't start a business. You're a felon. You can't do anything. You need to just sit down. Oh, you're coming back. You're coming back. We're just waiting to see you. What's your number? Zero, zero, nine to, oh, you've been here forever. You're so institutionalized, you can't do a thing. All of these things play into the minds of the people that we're serving. And we have to remember that. And to break down those barriers, it takes education, even at the most elementary level. Just them loving and knowing who they are and knowing God. 
And just remember, all of our actions, or the majority of our actions until we get new information, come from our own beliefs, experiences, and traditions. So when we talk about drug dealers, a lot of times are my best entrepreneurs. Why? Man, they understand distribution, they understand sales, they know the brands, supply and demand, and they are driven by money. Those are the easiest ones. That's what Julius was. That's what his whole family is. They have a lot of them. So now he is transforming the lives of his family members because he added this thing called God. A lot of these guys didn't know God or or didn't like God because of where they were. And when they get out, we find that they find them. They're like, I know you like God, Miss Fears, but that's not me. And now they come out, oh, God is good. I'm like, huh? Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes, he is. All right. So this is an eyesore. But what I can do, I have my cards up here. And if anyone needs any information or would like additional um, training, we'll do all that we can to help. But I want to show you what our orientation model looks like. Um, This is our five-day training. So we studied various reentry programs around the around the nation and found a few that we liked <laughs> and then from the few that we liked we actually chose one of our partners here which is Hope Works we also chose Cincinnati Works and we also chose some of the things that are floating around in our brains right yeah And so we've come up with this entire model to address those issues. So regardless of if you want entrepreneurship now, you'll get a taste of it during our orientation. Because we talk about things like your interests, your organization, your attitude. We have conflict management. We have JAR. That's job history and applications and references. And then this little thing called branding 101, that's on the first day. Because what we try to do is break down that barrier. The first thing they want to tell me, you know, I was locked up. I was locked up for X, Y, and Z. Y'all don't know nothing about me. You heard about me? No, I don't know who you are. But what we need to do is refresh your brand. Let's talk about your skills. Let's position you in a different light. And so what they do is they immediately get confident. And they go into interviews. And they have to dress a certain way when dealing with the Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry. When we, we have a partner, and it's so funny. Goodwill is one of our big partners. Goodwill is one of our partners because they have a similar infrastructure, but they're not a holistic ministry. But they always need people to fill jobs. So they call me. Right now I have more jobs than I have people because the rest of our people are still in prison. So when they come out, it's like, oh, yeah, wh- where do you want to go? Let's do this assessment. Let's see how you are. And some of them are like, I don't like people. I have an issue with people. I have anger issues. We address all of that. Okay, so we're going to go over here on me, the employee. So we know you need to be back office support. Yes, Ms. Fears. All right, and I want to own my own business and do some medical billing and coding. We do a test. Can you type? Can you read? And we provide that training. So it's individualized learning is the key to entrepreneurship because they're taking many, many steps. And then from that, they're ready to start jumping on boxes. And once they get on boxes, then they're ready to jump off buildings. And once they're ready to jump off buildings, they will have their own business and be successful. So this last slide here is the Entrepreneur Boot Camp, and this is what is included in it. We have life skills courses. Those are mandatory. We talked about the Senge piece. It happens. Your pool is still full of 20 years of incarceration, five years of incarceration, separation, anxiety, drug addiction. 
entrepreneurship book. There are a number of books that we have, and one of our partners is, is working with us now to provide tablets free of charge to the people that we serve that are on this entrepreneurial track. So while they're at home, once they get off of their jobs, they can actually study and train and build their skill set, take the online assessments, pass them, submit that to us, and it's done. We have business writing and English composition, math, intro to business, intro to entrepreneurship. These are all college level courses that are part of our team. We have a department of education at the Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry. And everyone on our team that leads these departments have a PhD with the exception of me. And they're specialists in their fields. I just have two masters. So I just say, A, B, C, D. And I'm in there too, <laughs> excited, right? But a lot of them want to be, I have one that wants to be a PhD, actually two, a female and a male. One wants to be a judge one day. I said, well, you go, we're gonna work on that. They are smart. Then we have communications and speech because as a business owner, if you can't go in, I'm not going to give you any money. If this baby here comes in and tells me, hey, I'd like to start my own business, but she goes, I don't my own business, I don't know what I want to do. Who's gonna give them money? Because the, the financial people usually look like who? Not her, right? It's usually a man. It's usually a man. And it's usually a man who's pretty conservative. I love telling my ladies who come in, they say, I like looking good. I like wearing heels. I did have a candidate. Miss Desiree was like that. Her skill set is over here, but she wanted to do something different. So we had to build a bridge for her. She had to take my typing test. She failed. I said, okay, so you can't be office support. So what are we going to do next? She goes, well, I like customer service and I love talking to people. She has two Goodwill stores fighting over her already. She's been working less than a month. She got her babies back. She goes to work happy every day, every day. So when she's ready to do this, she'll have the skills. The networking and soft skills are very, very, very important. Human interaction. In our training, we have a networking session where they will come in and have to walk around just like they're at a after work party, dinner party. Have you ever done that where you don't have chairs in a room and you have a little saucer? They have to walk around and communicate with people that they don't know. They don't have any idea that that's coming on day four, but it's there. And then computer skills. We have um, one of our doctors who led the IT department at Lipscomb is the one who heads up our TPOM center. So he has all the training and we have a lab, a computer lab where they can come and get classes, come and take classes. And we will, I guess, have to open the classes for the volunteers too, because some of them say they are technically challenged. So if we talk about our, this is just the slide to kind of summarize our impact at Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry with the 60 people we have touched before we open. We have saved our system $1.5 million in tax money by keeping people out of prison and in jobs. So I thank you for your time and attention. We have about what, two, three, four minutes. Are there any, any questions? I appreciate you all being here. Yes, sir. I saw one of your slides, and it said 25% of, uh, I don't know if this is the uh, individuals you're working with, mm -hmm. have at least one year of college? Yes. Wow. I, I thought that was pretty high. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a buddy of mine. He worked with a uh, reentry program in Houston, mm -hmm. and his is high like that as well. Mm -hmm. However, in the Louisiana area, ours is very, very low. We have yeah. uh, more than uh, probably most of our, the individuals we work with only have probably about an eighth grade mm -hmm. education. 
Um, anything you recommend uh, for that? Because, you know, reaching someone with an eighth-grade education mm -hmm. and trying to get them to start their own business versus someone with a college degree is a big difference. Mm -hmm. Well, good, very good question. One of the things that we do is I bring statistics to that meeting. If, if, if you do know, and I'm sure you already know this, the majority of the people who are successful in businesses do not have degrees. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I always start with that. Mm -hmm. And then we go into what things do they need? Where are their deficiencies? So actually testing them mm -hmm. in math and English and getting them to the GED level. So I tell them as a requirement, that is not optional. Mm -hmm. Let's work on who you are and who you need to be mm -hmm. at the same time. So once you have them at the GED level, then you have more options for them because then they can take the materials and learn and be trained a little differently than if they can't read. And we do have some of that too. Mm -hmm. So what we have found to be successful is we get them all GEDs. Okay. And we start that while they're in prison. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Suggested, or you said something about Desiree, the mm -hmm. girl with Goodwill fighting over, which is great. Is Desiree a felon or a misdemeanor charge? Felon. Okay. Oh, and she's it, a big one too. This is cool because I just was a little bit curious because sometimes you find employers they say yes we're felon friendly, but they really only want the people that have little minor charges. Mm -hmm. They don't want. Yeah, we have all big ones, and that's the fun part, and I can talk to you about certain strategies. In our reentry center, what I do, there are some days that I am a, a easy, there's an easy sale. It's just like a low-hanging fruit, but the ones that I have to call on are the felons that are difficult, like the Desirees, and I specifically target companies that are on the fence that will go either way, and then I act like my recruiter because I, I have a background in that as well. So I call and I pitch a candidate. They have no idea who that person is. And then they find out. I said, well, how many years do you go back? And they're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, they must have a record. I said, absolutely. So I need to know what you could do. And then they go, well, let me tell you this. Let me meet the individual. And I actually met with a guy this week at a home health agency. And so for them to be able to say, okay, we'll open up the door for your felons, but let us work together on that. He said, anyone you recommend, I'll send through. So that's the greatest blessing. So it's just really building that relationship. Last question. Yes, last this question. This will be your last question. Yes, sir. Uh, Don, when you send me some information, see how we can partner up, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, All right. Mr. Green. All right. I've been coming there forever. Thank you guys yeah, so very much. Yes, I'll be here.